The Bulls have three seconds to try a shot and try to win the game. This is the Notebook Wagering Podcast. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Coming to you from the betting deck. Don't believe what I just saw. Here are your hosts. Jenks! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Smitty and Q. Hey, what's up, guys? Smitty and Q here. Joining you guys for another episode of Notebook Wagering. You know, college football championship on Monday. Uh, we got college basketball that we had today. We got some tomorrow, and the uh, current NFL games. We got three total today. Essentially, two have played already. Um, the early and the mid slate. We got another PM game tonight, and then uh, we got three tomorrow. I'm ready to rock and roll. I'm fired up. This is the latest that we've done this show. Ready to go. Ready to go. Let's rock it out, buddy. Yeah, like you said, latest. We got a big surprise for you. Uh, we've definitely got a uh, big guest. Uh, did he get across that line? Jared Goff did not even get close. To I that. do not think did Jared not Goff get... got close. Hey, we're gonna sweat this. You know, this is gonna be great television. They're gonna make this game interesting here. So, all right. Uh, thoughts of the week. Thoughts of the week. Let me go after the Philadelphia Eagles here. So that game last week. You know, again, I don't care about a lot of things. I don't even know if I had a betting on that game, but if you're telling me the Eagles did not try to lay down and get that game, and I don't care about the Giants. The Giants should have won more games, people. The bottom line is if Ingram would have caught the ball against Tampa Bay on a Sunday night game or a Monday night game, they would have won the division. The thing is, though, I can't stand teams laying down. And then you got some of these people from Philadelphia going, Oh, okay, we screwed the Giants. No, you screwed yourself because your team looks like fools, and so do you. You know they had a... a no, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Cause yeah, I like they they were up 17 nothing on the Redskins in game one of the season and then gave up 27 unanswered. Maybe that all probably hurt you too. Yeah. And then the whole thing about this is these Eagles fans, some of these people on Twitter going, well, we get a better draft pick. No, guess what? Your draft picks suck. I'm going to say it. They suck. You complained last year about it. So two or three spots, and you're celebrating it for your team to lay down and look like fools. Guess what? You look like fools. Shocker. I'm on the better side of the state. Yeah, I said it. I'm on the better side of the state. New Jersey people. Good luck. And the bottom line then was your quarterback goes on the sidelines and is complaining Guys wanted to fight the head coach. Seth Joyner, a former player, said he was embarrassed about it, being a part of the organization. And then Doug Peterson, which is a clown show, goes, Setfield gave us the best spot to win the game. Well, the guy's a third-string quarterback. When was the last time Nate Sudfeld took snaps in an NFL game? I don't know. Last time I think I saw one, it was in Indiana when he played in college. Now, he did get <laughs> some snaps in, in the pros. Then, let me just throw this out. Then somebody, Ryan Clark, makes a comment about it. Former Steeler. Somebody, some moron, goes on Twitter and goes, well, the Steelers did the same thing the Eagles did. You serious? The Steelers played their backup and Dobbs because Dobbs played because he could run the ball out of the position because the Steelers can't run the football. The Steelers went for a two-point conversion and about tied the Browns. They played to win. They're in the playoffs, people. The Eagles aren't. It's always tradition to rest players when you're in the playoffs, especially your vets. But the Steelers did the same thing. Did you know that, Q? Did you know that? Apparently, I did not know that. The same thing? Oh. (laughs) Nice catch. Looks like me in the backyard at night right there. Great catch. So, Eagles fans, enjoy. I hope you draft the greatest person on the planet because you guys were losers. You laid down. And what's wrong with sports is you play to win the game. And you did it. And then you come out and the head coach goes, he gave us the best shot to win the game. Come on now. You sound like a politician. 
Hey, they're setting up for the 2023 draft when they can draft uh, Mike Mamola Jr. <laughs> oh, I love it. Hey, Mike Mamola, still, still come on the show because we have we have storyteller Rob Garvey coming. I come on close to baseball season. He has a great story to come back. I love Go it. Go Q. What's your rant, buddy? You know, I really don't have one this week other than uh, I can't even say other than because I really don't have one. I mean, obviously I was dead wrong on the Ohio State. Um, we'll talk more about that later. Um, I would say, I, How about short? short oh, so, well, yeah, we can hit a little Let's baseball. That. You, that could, thing. you threw that out yeah, today. Let's hit I that. That's a good that. rant, I think. Um, I don't understand. I understand what the Nats are trying to do. I understand they're trying to protect Soto. Um, I just, I don't understand. Okay, let me rewind. You're trying to protect Soto, and I, so they go get Josh Bell, um, a relatively low contract. I think he's making six million a year for two years. Uh, I think, and then I think the second year, or uh, he's got either got two or three years left, and like I think the second year is a is a team option, so they have control. Uh, switch hitter. Um, I can't remember if he bats. He bats better on one side than the he other. He hits better lefty. Okay, right. so he's a better lefty. Yep. Um, I he can play first base. They really don't have a first baseman. Not very well. Um, yeah. Not, you know more than I do, not very well. Uh, but you could probably attest. I mean, the first baseman's probably making some, the least amount of throws on the field, uh, so you can kind of hide that and disguise that. Um, in the short off chance he has to play outfield, he can. He's done it before, so you have that utility. And he's a young guy. I mean, again, the guy has potential. He could come in and hit thirty bombs for the Nats. Yeah, he did and it's two, a great he did two years right, ago he, for yeah. the Pirates. Yep. Absolutely, he did. Yeah. Um, what is he? Twenty seven. He's like, he's uh, 28, 28, okay, 28, so, but 29. he's under 30. I mean, no, he, listen. You go get Kyle Schwarber to play left field. Ugh. I mean, I understand in 2019 he had 38 home runs and 92 RBIs, but I think he peaked. He is a strikeout machine. Yeah. And he can't field. He can't field at all. I understand if you can justify getting 30 home runs and say, well, as long as he can keep the foot on the bag at first and, and hit home runs for us, we can skate and we'll be fine. But then to go when it's a predominantly righty baseball league to to get a guy who can't even play left field, yeah, it's, it's, that is brutal. You know, I, I've said it to Q. I saw that today. First thing that popped in my brain was Q. And then... I was like, oh, I can't wait till Q comes over because we're going to have an argument because Q's going to try to sell. You know, here's the thing. When your team does something, I'm the only one that, you know, so many people rip on me when the Pirates make a deal and they're like, oh, Smitty, we're trading this for minor layers. Maybe I'm a fool. I've been called a lot worse. So I thought Q was going to defend this. And then I saw Q on Twitter say, like, bashed it. I'm like, okay, good. Then we're not going to have an argument here when he comes over here tonight in the studio. Oh, I can see both right and I mean, on they're, they're going to hit home runs. But Bell is going to not play well on the field. And now you put somebody in left field. You could put a trash can out there that could probably catch more balls than Schwarber. Yeah. They're, man, the Nats, their defense is not going to be good. Can they hit some home runs? I guess. I'm a small I like small ball people. They won playing small ball. When we get into when we get into baseball, and I can't wait, because Q has great opinions. I have great opinions, and we argue a lot. I think it will be great, uh great podcast when we get into this. I don't know what the Nats are doing here though. I, good luck. Here's a guy that's gonna be, I think, by the fifth inning, sixth inning, he's gonna have to be out then out of the lineup, and you're paying him ten million for one year. I didn't see the sign today. I, I yeah, he's gonna hit some home runs. I didn't think it was a great sign. The bell, hey, listen, the bell, the the bell trade. I think the Pirates did okay. I think the Nats did very well. Pirates aren't winning with Josh Bell. No. And I know all the Pittsburgh people that listen to the show, and we, I have some people. They're gonna bash me because they bash me on Twitter about the prospects and stuff. That's fine. That's why we do this. I think it's. I think it was a good. I think it was a good trade by the Nats too. I think he's going to play well for the Nats, and he's going to hit a lot of home runs, and he's going to protect Soto, and everything's going to be fine. The Schwarber, I don't get. I think it was a bad, bad, bad deal, bad sign. Yeah, I agree. I mean, obviously, time will tell, but I, I definitely don't like the signing. Um, all right, moving on. We'll, we're going to be 
giving you guys plenty of baseball closer to February uh, when pitchers and catchers report to spring training. And can I just tell you already, Guru uh, Jason? I'm excited. Guru Jason and Fantasy Four Player are the biggest. They're already breaking down fantasy stuff minor league stuff they have so much info already those guys again are going to just be giving us nuggets and hopefully we can get them on the show here and they can talk and uh give out their great wisdom because those guys are dot they've already written me so many things already they're diving deep i like it all right moving on let's just uh i want a quick touch on college football championship um right now i believe alabama is laying eight i think let me check that. We'll go with laying eight. If it changes, I'll let you know. Alabama's laying eight to Ohio State. I mean, we dove pretty deep into Alabama and Ohio State um, in prior weeks. Uh, yeah, it is eight. Over under 75 and a half. Um, I just think Alabama's a more dominant team. I think we saw a team um, who knew they could beat Notre Dame. They kind of coasted. I mean, they scored when they needed to, and then they kind of pumped the brakes. Um they're a team I feel like can turn the switch on and off at any time. You're not going to stop them. Um, it looks like they're only going to get better offensively with Jalen Waddle. Now, do we know how well he's going to be running routes and how effective he's going to be? No, we don't. But an 80% Jalen Waddle is better than 80% of college football. So it's still a threat that you have to match up on. I don't think Ohio State's going to match up and, and stop that offense i think what needs to happen is you're going to essentially get an interception or a fumble um and you're going to have to try to slow the game down you're going to have to try to limit alabama's uh, offensive possessions and and i think you could say the same thing about alabama i mean alabama's going to have to stop the run it seems like ohio state wants to establish that um and then it opens up a lave in the passing game um if they can keep fields in the pocket i think it's gonna be a long day for them i probably I mean, I'll probably tease it, and I'll probably uh, with Alabama, and I'll probably double down, and I will probably lay Alabama on state because I think they can win. Uh, I could see this um, between like I know it's a big, big gap here, but uh, anywhere from ten to seventeen point victory. I like Bama. You know, I said this on the last show. I do not think they put the foot on the gas. Cruise control against Dane. I think they knew they had that game wrapped up. And they said to themselves, we're not going to put a lot on film. Well, you don't want to get guys hurt either. Absolutely. And Notre Dame was just overmatched. And, you know, again, Waddle coming back, I like, I think he's going to play well. I think this is their secret weapon. I think this guy, I think this guy probably, if he's going to play, he's ready to rock and roll. Again, Fields, how healthy is this guy? Man, he took some shots. He's hurting. COVID issues with Ohio State. Again, hey, listen, I was dead wrong on the Ohio State-Clemson game. We both were. And when we make, you know, we're going to be opinionated. I'm very opinionated. So you got to call yourself out on it. We, I screwed up. We all screwed up on that game. Ohio State played an unbelievable game. Do I think they're there? No. I think Bama did not put a lot on film. I think they're going to come out and boat race Ohio State. Now, Bama 0 and 4 ATS bowl championships. Ohio State 21 and 8 ATS as a dog. Look for a lot of points. Betting Messiah, I talked to him. He said, "Man, a lot of points. 75 points for a national champ." I see it could it could be college football skyrockets. National championship little nerves. Do they did the play callers not do a lot early in this game? Look for a first half under. I'm looking at that. I'm going to monitor this. What would I do? And I'm the teaser king. I'm not even teasering this. I'm looking at that first half under, and I'm going to take Alabama straight in this game. Minus the eight. Bama, roll tide. They win the game. They win big. I think they win anywhere from, uh, I'm going to say anywhere from 14 to 20 points. You certainly see it. I mean, who, kn- who knows? We could be wrong. I don't think we're going to be wrong this time. Um, I don't like to be wrong twice. I'm the smartest man in the room, so I don't like to be <laughs> wrong too much now. Hey, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I, we're pretty pretty solid, and I think we review these things pretty well. But 
don't know, but we were wrong. Well, um, I was dead wrong on that. And hey, like I said, Ohio State played unbelievable. I just don't see him doing it again. Fields played unbelievable. I think they're playing Goliath. I think Bama again did not put a lot on film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think they're going to come back. I think you're going to see a lot more aggressive play calling by Alabama. I think they knew they did not have to lay the foot on the gas against Notre Dame, and yeah. they were going to get out of there. And like you said, injury-wise, they didn't want to hurt anybody. No, I mean, because they lost their center in the Florida game, you know, playing hard, and you don't want to lose that again. And, you know, I think you said a great thing, and I'm going to go back from a phone conversation that when we talked on the phone, and you said about the tight ends, and I hope you remember this. Oh, you yeah, said yeah. It so I, well. I can get into that. Okay, go. I think so, go on this. So... Uh, Notre Dame is a tight end system. They they run a lot of two and three tight end sets, um, and Alabama kind of struggled with that this year. I mean, they definitely struggled against Kyle Pitts, who is a, a freak of nature. Well, a lot of people struggled against him. Yeah, but he's a big, bigger receiver, tight end uh, with with a lot of speed, and that's somewhere where they struggled. Um, they held Notre Dame in check. Notre Dame is a good tight end school. I mean, they're up there with Iowa. Like, when you think of tight ends, Notre Dame and Iowa come to mind in the NFL. They breed them. Alabama started against them. They game plan, and they shut them down. Okay? The receiving core for Ohio State is not that great. I mean, you have Chris Olave, but he's, he's small. He's undersized. He's got some injury issues. What they did is they used their tight ends to beat Clemson. You don't think Alabama isn't looking at that and saying, well, we just played a school with better tight ends, so now we're going to match up against your tight ends. Oh, by the way, we're going to put Patrick Sertan Jr., who's an All-American, on Chris Olave and lock him down? This You were playing right into what they just played in and right into what they just had to scout. So that makes it an easy preparation. And, you know, the thing about that game, and I really bashed Clemson's play calling on the last show. The thing about it is, they who who's I'm see again. I'm so bad with names sometimes. Who is the who's the good corner out of Ohio State? Wade. Yes. Man, they picked on him. You don't think they're gonna pick, oh, not pick on him? They're now? going after again, and he's supposed to be their best corner. Yeah. So now you add all this: Smith, the Heisman winner, Waddle coming back, Harris coming out of the backfield. What's that white kid? He can catch the ball. That's uh. Oh, yeah. I know uh, who you're I can't talking think about. His name. And you know the great thing about this whole story is Nick Saban's daughter talked trash on Twitter. Did you see that? No, I did not, but they oh, back it up. Well, they was, when there was rumors about this game was going to get pushed back because of COVID, she came out and she ran her mouth and said, because Fields is hurt and Ohio State's trying to duck and trying to get more games. Man, you got to love that. <laughs> yeah. I love that smack talk. That's yeah, but great. I'll tell you what, if there's a team to back it up, it's Bama. And I'll tell you what, I'm shocked she's not cut off on Twitter since they're cutting off everybody on Twitter. So Ah, that's a nice Ah, there we go. Hey. You gotta know I gotta put that in. We're so. on Twitter though. Follow us at Notebook. Hey Blizzard. good, maybe they'll ban it's us too. Plug. So Alright, let's talk about um, ah. we'll just touch real quick. I know you really didn't watch the Rams Seahawks just now. Russell Wilson completely imploded. Um, I know we can kind of jump in on that. You were telling me that uh man old man in the garage loved he did. The Rams net, and you essentially said, "Dude, stay away. It's a terrible game." I did. Can I? Uh, yeah. Go one ahead. minute. So he he gave me some games the other day. He goes, "I had these games." I said, "And again, old man, why I'm telling him anything? He's taking dog winners left and right. Why is he still listening to me? I'm not sure." He said he liked the Rams. I said, uh, "I just don't know Goff, Waffer, who's the quarterback, guys. This Coops or Cups coming back, and he's hurt and." He's like, all right, we'll get his play here in a little bit. But he did like the Rams. So I am going to say that on our show. He loved the Rams today. And, of course, they were a winner. It was not his official play, but I'm going to tell you, he liked the Rams. Yeah, Russell Wilson imploded today. I mean, uh, when we looked, there was like five minutes left. He was 8 for 20, 125 yards, one TD, one pick. And, and quite frankly, should have had about three or four picks uh, if it wasn't for drop balls. Um the one that really cost them, I think it changed the momentum. It was uh, six to three, the Rams, and then he throws a pick six on a screen uh, from his own thirty, and that really just changed the momentum when they went up thirteen three. Uh, there's really no much more to say on that game. Uh, the defense for the Rams is 
legit. I mean, Aaron Donald's just a freak. That He was in the backfield the entire game. Um, Russell Wilson was scrambling every time he got the ball, and that's, that's pretty much how uh, it started and how it continued and how it ended. Um, the game earlier, that was a roller coaster. At least my take was Buffalo comes in conservative when they're one of the most high-flying offenses in the league and they're running the ball. I don't know. I know you had mentioned that there were some injuries. Now I did know Cole Beasley was was significantly banged up, and he, uh, you know, came out to play. Uh, but but last week Diggs, they said McKenzie, Diggs was banged up too, and Brown yeah. looked a hundred percent torching one of the better secondaries in football in Miami, uh, two of the best cornerbacks, and they made him. They put fifty six. Um, the Colts had all the momentum in the first half, and then they stopped. Like, their play calling was terrible, just like Buffalo's play calling was. They were over-aggressive, and Buffalo was under-aggressive for the first half. And you had told me when they went down and they didn't get that uh, the fourth and goal from the four-yard line, the touchdown, um, that was a, the game-changer, and it was. Um, the second half was a little different. Uh, obviously, the uh, Bills started airing the ball out, um, and you started seeing Diggs and them just kind of outman the, the secondary, but that first half, I mean, it was just weird play calling on both sides. Well, you know, the fun thing about that game was I gave it out. I still have it as a teaser play. And I said sprinkle a little pizza money on the, you know, the money line. So Q really liked Buffalo, so we did a little side bet. And that's always fun. And we were going back and forth on it. Yeah, Indianapolis, you know, they, they dominated the first half. They really did. They should have been up a lot of points. I I was shocked. The 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 first drive, first drive or second drive when they went down and got a field goal, they ran Taylor two times like dive plays and then they ran a screen and got three points out of it. Again, you have Philip Rivers. The guy's a vet. Throw at least one play in the end zone. What are you doing? Then they come down. You know they score and then they 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 could have really put it on them. And then again, it's just stupid plays. And then it's fourth down. You know, if you're from the one-yard line, I don't have a problem with it to go for it. When you're at the four and you got to kick the field goal to go 13-10 and you don't and you didn't get it, I mean, I wrote Q right away. I said, game changer. They're in trouble. And he's like, oh, it's they're, no, they're not. I'm like, dude, it's done. Like, I knew right away it was done. And... You know, I just didn't understand the play calling. I didn't watch a lot of the second half. Then they went down again. They missed the field goal. Just some, you know, he, he deserves to get criticized. I hate to say it, but he does. Really dumb play calling. I thought they completely outplayed Buffalo. But again, Buffalo got the win. I lost the bet to Q. I move on. And, you know, I think, I you know, I said this to Q. I, I think both sides of the playoffs Anybody can beat anybody. I think this is great playoffs. I think, you know, this. I don't think the Skins will win tonight, but you never know. I, I could Cleveland go into Pittsburgh and beat Pittsburgh tomorrow? My favorite team. Yes, they could. Can somebody beat? Yeah, I think they can. Cause that Colts team. I think that was a scary team to get in the playoffs. Cause they can throw. They have a good O line. They have a good defense. Um, you know, there's a lot of things here. They can go in. This is a great playoffs. I'm excited about it. Hopefully the Steelers can make a run and I can enjoy it. But even if they get eliminated, I'm going to sit back and enjoy this. I think it's good football. But the big thing is, you gotta you got to worry about the COVID. you got to worry about the COVID. Yeah. Somebody, you know, somebody's wife walks out to somewhere and gets something, comes in and gives their the starting quarterback COVID, and then, man, it's a game changer. So that's a big thing. Well, the NFL came out and said we're not changing the schedule for it. So, and they should it. Lease your players. And they should it. Absolutely, they should not. No, I agree. So, I mean, you know, Big Ben gets it. Oh well. So, we we move on. All right. Um, let's just talk about Sunday's games because by the time the show gets out, Saturday games are done. Um, the Sunday games, the first game. If I'm not mistaken, is wow! I just had it up. Um, Baltimore. 
Yes, sorry. Oh. Why am I drawing a blank? So, I kind of lean the, the Titans. I know you like the Ravens. You think they're hot. I just, I don't feel... No, I love Tennessee. Oh, okay. I thought... I mean, I, I said to you, I think Baltimore's maybe... They're playing hot. They're, I mean, they're hot right now. I just... That's Derrick Henry, man. I, I think there's two... two I think that, like I said, I think there's two teams in this that you don't want... You didn't want to see. One was Indianapolis, and one was Baltimore. I think Steelers lucked out so well playing Cleveland, personally, and just to, in the first round yeah, game. somebody they're familiar with. It's somebody they can beat up um, I, I with just, their starters. But I agree with you. I, I like Tennessee. Now, Tennessee's defense sucks. It's a little leaky. It's not good. It's now, not what good. I will say is where they're leaky is the in the secondary, but Lamar Jackson's kind of leaky when it comes to throwing. So, if you were to say there's a silver lining, that would be it. Yeah. I mean, oh, I now, agree with you. If, he's, if you're Tennessee and you're going up against Pat Mahomes, you're pretty worried because he's going to torch you the whole game. This is where you can pressure Lamar if you can kind of contain him with a spy or, or something like that. Um, he, you could fluster him like they did last year. And, and once you fluster him last year, that was game over by the second quarter. Yeah, I mean, I like, you know, I'll probably, I mean, I, I'm going to give you my leans and what I might do, but I'm going to pro- just put it out on Twitter again tomorrow. I kind of like a teaser with Tennessee. I agree with you. I like ten- Tennessee. Again, I've said this all year. When you have a team that can win the game outright and you can jump them up to nine points, why not take them? Yeah, I agree. I, I like Tennessee. All right, Bears-Saints. I don't know if the Bears... I mean, obviously, it's a home game. They're familiar. They play each other uh, quite often. Um, I just think the Saints are going to overpower them. I mean, the Bears... They're an average team. I kind of like the points in this. I think both defenses are pretty good. I think... There's a lot of points if you can get them 16. I think you tease this up and you take the under and a teaser in this. What would I do in the game? Probably a teaser with the Saints down. I think the Saints win the game. I think the Saints, if they get out to a, a big lead early, they'll kind of go on cruise control because they're not going to want Breeze to stay out there and continue to get hurt. Now, can Kamara, is Kamara going to play? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we'll I see. I think he'll suit up. That's why I kind of like the under in this. I really think the under is a better play teasing the points up if you're a teaser person. All right, let's talk about uh, the last game. I think we both have a little more to say on that one, the Browns-Steelers. So the, they played last week. Um, it was the Browns starters versus a lot of the Steelers' backups. Um, I think Mason Rudolph did a good enough job, A, to kind of secure a spot for next year. But I think also if Big Ben was to go down with an injury – you know, at some point in this game, the team has some confidence in Rudolph, um, or maybe a two quarterback system and Dobbs. You know, if you want to run some uh, run quarterback run packages, but I think Rudolph played well enough to have some confidence um, to say, "Well, they're still in this game if it's close." Um, I'm interested to see. So I, I saw the Browns Olivier Vernon's out, which is big. Um, I think Pittsburgh's defense is better, even with Olivier Vernon um, playing for. The Browns, now he's out. I think you now um, have taken an a, uh, impact player away from Big Ben, um, which obviously is a, fa- is, is a positive for that. Um, I think that week that they gave Big Ben was uh, much needed. Um, I'm sure he's, I'm sure they got him ready, he stretched, um, you know, got his body ready. I think they'll, I think they'll bounce back. Um, they, they kept it close with uh, only a two-point loss late. Um, with backups and that, I mean, they trounced them forty-two to seven earlier in the season uh, with their starters. I, I'm not saying it's going to be another forty-two-seven blowout, but I, I think it could be kind of a convincing win. Um, and I already put my plays out there, and I believe I put Steelers minus six because that's what I'm rolling with. I love the play. I, I think again, Pittsburgh fan. I can't wait for this game. Don't let me down. I don't need 1-800-SUICIDE-WATCH late Sunday night. Big win, 38-7 first time, 24-22 last week. Again, a lot of COVID issues for the Browns. A lot. Hey, coach is not coaching. A couple other coaches. All-pro offensive line guy out for the Browns. Steelers now. They do give up. They have a really good defense, but they are a little leaky on the rush 
Watch that. But again, we've said this. Are they going to run the ball with Chubb and Hunt? They haven't lately. I haven't seen it. Are they going to do it? I like the Steelers. I think it was big to get that little... I mean, it was a bye week. I hate to say it, but it was. Yeah. They haven't been off since October because the NFL was so messed up and kept screwing them every week and pushing games back that they finally could get a week, get some legs under them. I think Ben, Big Ben comes back, plays well. I think the Steelers win this. I like them straight. I like them in a teaser down to a pick em. They move on. We can hear some great Steeler music heading to the Super Bowl of Pittsburgh. Yeah, I like it. Let's roll, baby. Uh, I'm excited for yeah. that game, man. All Love right. it. Well, we got a guest coming on, so we can uh, let's get ready to get him on, and um, we think you guys will love who it is. I'm yeah. excited. All right, so without further ado, we got uh, our guest joining us. Um, he's out in Vegas. His name's uh, Greg Peterson. He runs two podcasts. Uh, one of them is uh, MLB Overtime Bets, and then the other one, uh, which is more current right now, is the Hooping with Hoops. Uh, so we're definitely glad to have you on. Uh, without further ado, Greg Peterson. Hey, gentlemen, it is great to be aboard. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, no problem. Uh, all right, so let's just kind of get into this. Uh, so uh, kind of tell us about yourself, kind of how you got into college basketball, um, you know, so largely uh, within the, the basketball community and, and out in Vegas and uh, kind of how you got involved with VEASAN. As, you know, most people who follow gambling know VEASAN's pretty big time um, in a gambling world. Uh, just kind of give us a little insight on that. Well, how I got into college basketball is a little bit ironic because it was back during the 2005 NCAA tournament. My mom was doing one of those brackets because, you know, you could win like $25,000, $10,000, whatever. You did it every like, year. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, so many people do. She's like, hey, I need some picks and everything like that. I really wasn't watching too much college basketball at the time. I'm a little bit more of a football guy being from the heart of Wisconsin, growing up 45 minutes away from Green Bay. I said, you know what? We're going to give this a shot. I wound up seeing a team on there in Kansas that was supposed to play Wisconsin in the round of 32 if everything broke correctly. I didn't want Wisconsin to have to play Kansas, that team that they were playing, the Bucknell Bison. So I decided, ah, you know what? We'll put down this 14 seed, the Bucknell Bison. There's no way they're going to win, but you know what? It would be very nice. It turns out that they wound up hitting. For some reason, I took Vermont over Syracuse. I have absolutely no idea why. Vermont winds up winning, and it wound up being a top 50 bracket nationally. And it's like, hey, I actually know a little bit about college basketball, even though I knew absolutely nothing. I was like, the person that is in your cubicle that is one of those people that's like, oh, the mascot here is really nice. I like their colors. You know what? That's a cute name. We should put that down. And that wound up being like my greatest bracket ever, so... I mean, I don't know how that winds up working, but from there, I really started following bracketology a whole heck of a lot more. Joe Lenardi, a big time person that I wound up looking up to when I was in middle school and high school. And if you ask anyone from my middle school and high school, they will tell you that I was just an insane, crazy person when it comes to college basketball, always reliable to go to school, except for two days of March, I would wind up being out with, yeah. and I quote, an appointment. That oh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, that so, sore throat that day, Greg. <laughs> I mean, there was an appointment. My rear end on a couch eating pizza, watching college basketball for 12 hours those two days. So. Hey, we still do it. We so say, don't, we don't feel guilty. We're old. We're old. So, yeah, yeah. I, absolutely. Absolutely. So we've got that going on there. And also, I've always just had a passion for sports. I mean, I grew up being watched by my grandfather for so many years that he would always throw on sports because he didn't like all the rap music and everything going on. He always wanted to put on something family friendly. So that's how I got into sports and I was never athletic enough to play them. So, you know what? I thought, you know what? In college, if I really want to do something I love, I should try to get into some media, get into some sports. So I worked at the campus radio station. And then my senior year, the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh Shines, a D3 school, they got called up to the big leagues because South Dakota State needed an opponent in football. Now, as we know, that's an FCS school. And typically, you don't have out here in Vegas lines when it comes to FCS schools, but you do have them online. I was curious. It's like, well, this is somewhat of a D1 school. Would there be a betting line on this game? I knew really nothing about betting whatsoever. I just know that 
there's always year in and year out teams that cover the spread and everything like that. Wanted to just dive into it, see what they would make UW Oshkosh an underdog of. I wind up finding a line on five dimes on this. Now it's minus 120 juice both ways. I had no idea what I was doing at the time, but I wound up throwing down $60 to win 50 because I saw the line and I thought, man, they're disrespecting my college a little bit. UW Oshkosh catching 45 points against the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. I go to fire it in. Odds have moved. They were now a 46 and a half point underdog. My goodness. And you know what? It was never a sweat. It was my first bet ever. $60 won $50. UW Oshkosh loses the game 38 to three. So you, we didn't even need all the points. So that was really good. And then That's from okay. there, and then from there, just wanted to build up my bankroll a little bit more. I thought, Hey, I mean, in media, you typically don't make a lot of money in the first couple years. So wanted to make a couple dollars on the side, but I went to Nashville, Tennessee. I wanted to just bet a UT Arlington game in a game out. That's back when they had Kervin Hervey and that year, which they were able to burst onto the spotlight, everything like that. It really helped me pay off some bills. Well, I was having a little bit of a tough time out there in Nashville. And then I wind up running into someone in my next travels in Portland, Oregon. He's a gentleman with glasses. He's a man that he used to be out here in Las Vegas. He would always ask me my thoughts on, hey, Oregon is playing Oregon State. What would you make the line? And my lines were always within two points of the bookmakers. So it's one of those things where it's like, hey, maybe I have a little bit of a knack for this. He would wind up moving on one day. And I was only working part-time in Oregon. He had moved back to Las Vegas. And he said, you know what? We've got a full-time opportunity out here. It's this new startup. It's called the Vegas Sats and Information Network, a.k.a. VSIN. I said, you know what? I've done a little bit of betting. It's not like I'm the Mona Lisa Vito of it or anything like that. But you know what? Let's give it a shot. And I was working behind the scenes. There was really no intentions of me getting on air. But someone had really caught – I had really caught someone's eye because I was always talking nonstop about college basketball and everything like that. (laughs) This man encouraged me to post some pics up on my Twitter feed, maybe gain a little bit of traction with that regard. That man, his name is Matt Humans, And then from there, a lot of people wound up catching wind of it. It's like, hey, this guy, he's posting up all these picks. He knows a lot about college basketball. Maybe we should give him a couple guest spots and everything like that. And then things just kept going and going and going. And here we are today. Well, that, I'll tell you what, that's an incredible story. That's that's not how I envisioned it, uh, but I, I like your story better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, our, my, my one thing is, because I love your podcast. I listen to you. it a lot. If I'm on the treadmill, treadmill's right next to me. I don't get it on a lot here. <laughs> but, I mean, can you just, Greg, can you go into it? Like, you break down. I mean, it's hard to pick maybe two, three games a night that you like. And you break down on your podcast every game. every game and every total. Can you just kind of for our listeners to go? What what does I mean? Again, somebody here. I said to Q, somebody wrote you this morning. Our one question goes: We were going to ask you was, do you ever sleep? And somebody asked you that, and you said, "When I'm dead, I'll sleep." I mean, what does it what does it take to do what you do? Really, for the podcast, for me, the success that I have with regards to my bets, the reason why I'm able to do the podcast every day, it's because the legwork is done before the season. If you're trying to dive into this midstream, certainly you could have some success picking off a couple random teams. Like, there are some people that they wind up specializing in. Say the Patriot League, for example. You specialize in the Big Ten. You specialize in Big East. That's certainly something that you're able to do. For me, if I were to pick every single game every single day and I were trying to try to jump into it in like the middle of November, it just wouldn't be a possibility. I wouldn't know these guys. I wouldn't necessarily know the lay of the land, especially in this year, in which we've got COVID just wreaking havoc on so many games. You've got postponements. You've got empty seats. You've got just all the strangeness and randomness. So it was just all about being able to set that standard that, okay, I need to be putting in these hours in April. I need to be putting in these hours in July, just taking a look at the transfer portal, seeing where all these guys are going, seeing these coaching changes, because that's so important as well. Just knowing these rosters, knowing how these teams operate, I think that that is a big reason why I have success. Now, obviously, it does require a lack of sleep during like February, March as well. That is one of the things that 
It certainly does. And you always have to look at specific days as well, because as we know, the college basketball card for Saturday, it is always the biggest. The card on Monday, it's always the smallest. You take that Monday and you maybe do a little bit of reflection upon so many of the games on Saturday, because there's no way anyone, including myself, can watch 100 plus games every single day in these Saturdays. But when you're able to have like a 10, 12 game card on a Monday, you're able to say, okay, let's catch up on some of these bets that went right on Saturday. Why did they go right? Some of these bets, they wound up going awry on Saturday because when you've got so many games, it's always bound to happen. So you just reflect upon that. You wind up making your off days a little bit more of those sunny days. And then you just put the pedal to the metal when you've got these big slates like on Saturday. And I really think that those are the big reasons why I've been able to do this podcast with success. And it's a big reason why I've been able to maintain this style. And really, it's been working out for me so well because I've always found that when I was doing like five picks a day, when I was doing three picks a day, the picks that I would wind up putting out, they're one game below 500. But those couple picks that they just missed the card, I selected to... To not have them on the card. They were always the one that wanted hitting. So I just expanded yeah. it more and more. And it, it's just continued to work these last three years. Yeah, uh, that's that's kind of how we are. We always say, like, man, I was I had five games and I put out three, and then you know, I'll go uh one and two, but then the two that I didn't put on hit. So we're kind of yep. um now you did mention, you know, you put in the, the work in the offseason. Uh that kind of led us into a question, you know, um, We've kind of noticed, and we want to see maybe if it's just a, an anomaly um, or if it's something you notice. So obviously you do your legwork, uh, but then you kind of you you reflect on each game and as the season goes, you know what teams are playing high, what teams are playing low, you know up to date things. Um, these back to backs, as well as lack of training camp, have you noticed a trend? And, and kind of where I'm going with that is the back-to-backs we've noticed and and I got burned from it uh when when Wright State played Oakland so they play let's just say I think it was on a Friday Oakland loses by 39 they play 24 hours later Wright State's only favored by 8 just as they were Friday and they win the game outright after losing by 40 um and it just happened Young State uh Youngstown State plays Wright State last night outright winner they come back 24 hours later Wright State comes back and wins. Um, and then and the just, spread was like right, like yeah. I think it was 11 last night, and tonight was like, today was like 11 or 12. Yeah. So right in the same area, and then it's, and it's a boat race. Yeah, I've noticed a lot of that as well. It's really been the zigzag theory. I mean, you just take a look at some of these teams that if they're the superior team, if they blow the team out in game one, in game two, I've been noticing a little bit of letdown. Now, there have been a couple exceptions, including a team whose name actually resembles a rapper by the name of Drake. I mean, you don't have to approve yeah. of music, but I mean, the Bulldogs, they're right now undefeated against this spread. It's been absolutely insane what you've seen there. I mean, we've seen a couple outliers like New Mexico. They've just dropped every single one of their games in these double headers. They're a complete and utter fade. But aside from these outliers, what you're noticing in these double headers is that if a team just gets completely blasted in game one, they come back and they're going to give you a good, honest effort in game two. Likewise, if you wind up seeing a team and they just wind up looking really, really good in game one, they have that regression in game two. What I think is the most interesting with regards to these double headers is when you wind up having these teams that they wind up playing very close. Let's say that the spread is five and the total's 139. Game winds up landing 70 to 67, 70 to 66, something like that. That's where you can find maybe a little bit more of the team that winds up covering game one being able to cover in game two because it's sort of what you expected in game one. But when you see these big giant anomalies, don't be sucked into being a prisoner of the moment. Don't wind up being like, oh, 190 points were scored in game one. I'm seeing a total of 145. This is off by 45 points or anything like that. You just want to wind up taking everything into account leading up to that game. Obviously take that game into account as well, but don't just wait that one game as it's like, oh, there were so many points scored in that game. There were so few points. Just take everything into account and just run your numbers the way that you typically would and just don't put too much slash too little weight on one specific result. Yeah, I like that a lot. Great point. Uh, I got it. So last night I was watching a game and John Crispin was in studio with Manning and 
you know, we've seen some of the better teams like a Duke, Michigan State. Michigan State lost, Kentucky. you know, big game last night. They they let Purdue back in the game. Now, Kentucky played great today against uh, Florida. But he made a point, and I just wanted to get your opinion because I really respect it, is he said that is it these teams have so many guys deep, like these like four or five-star guys that come – and they're on the bench, and they can scrimmage in practice, and they can do five on fives. This year with COVID, they cannot, and they're they only have like six, seven, eight guys on practice, and they're bringing like some of the managers coming in. Is it hurting these teams? What I think has been really interesting is that the teams that have been hurt the most are these freshman teams. Like we mentioned Kentucky, very nice win over Florida. But up until that point, this team has not been able to get it going. Yeah, I mean, Duke, expectations. Duke was able to get a win over Wake Forest on Saturday. But once again, they don't wind up covering. It's really these young teams. And what else I have found really fascinating as well, because you point out the fact that some of these guys aren't able to get as many reps. Some of these teams that have been dealing with injuries have actually been able to do really good. Like, you see these line moves because it's like, oh, Miami's going to be without Chris Likes. Rutgers is going to be without Ron Harper Jr. And not only do they still win the game on the adjusted number, they cover the original number too. So it's like I wound up getting in on a good number. There was an injury. So now I'm getting a whole bunch of closing line value. And all that was for a good hearty loss. So I right, just yeah. one of the things that I have no idea how. I have no idea why. But it does feel like as long as you have veteran replacements, these guys are a little bit more interchangeable when you don't have that experience. So like we're seeing with Kentucky and Duke, it's much more difficult than say a team like Miami trying to replace a Chris likes with a sophomore or junior, a Rutgers getting a guy that maybe doesn't play a lot, but he's a junior back out there in the fold to replace Ron Harper jr. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I know you, Smitty loves the Wisconsin team for their age. I mean, you have two two or three guys who, you know, are seniors, fifth-year seniors, 22, 23 years old. So you really have that veteranship with those guys. Um, and it's kind of like next man up. You know, they really don't panic. Uh, so that, that ties right in. Uh, now, we we have some local schools here, some A-10 basketball uh, in our area. So I, I kind of want to ask you, are there any – uh, any, uh, let's let's say one mid-major and maybe one uh, power five team that maybe is playing a little higher than what you thought and then maybe on the opposite side. Is there a mid-major team you thought in a power five coming into this season that you had higher expectations for and is kind of letting you down? If we consider this a mid-major, St. Louis, they have been absolutely terrific. Now, they haven't played in a few weeks, a little bit unfortunate situation there, but I mean, you wound up bringing back Jordan Goodwin, who has been able to give this team 10 rebounds per game last season, along with Hassan French. They were actually the only duel in college basketball that they both individually averaged 10 rebounds per game. But their big limiter, they were dead last in all of college basketball with regards to free throw shooting last season. They have really been able to take off. They have been able to do an absolutely magnificent job with so many of these guys, including Javante Perkins, being able to hit some outside shots. You bring in a guy in Gibson Jimerson who wound up playing 10 games last season, but he wound up having that injury. He comes back. He looks very terrific, really, other than that game against Minnesota, which they allowed 90 points to the Gophers. They have been able to do a terrific job. So that's one mid-major that they've really stuck out to me. And, man, they have been absolutely terrific. And then on the negative side, obviously, it's a little bit tougher to identify because I always like to identify the good. Meanwhile, you don't not want to necessarily take a look at the bad, but Northern Iowa. And a lot of this is because they're without A.J. Green. If they have A.J. Green back out there, I'm going to probably be looking to bet Northern Iowa a little bit more. But you can tell that without them, this team is not the same. I mean, we're talking about these back-to-backs. When a team gets clobbered in game one, they come back in game two. They lose both games outright as a north of six-point favorite against Evansville. Now, Purple Ace is playing a little bit of better basketball. But my goodness, if you're Northern Iowa, you've got to be able to win those games. They haven't been able to get a whole lot going with regards to their three-point shooting. It's just a team that, without their heart and soul player in A.J. Green, it's been a bad year for them. So, Greg, can you um, – so I know we're not anywhere near March, but everybody always wants to go into that. And Gonzaga, you know, we've talked on the show, Gonzaga right now is just a machine. They have so many weapons that can score, and 
is there a team like we try to break it down and we're not to your ability to like understand all the stats and like break it down. Well, what team or what teams do you think can get in the tournament and can make a run and maybe beat a team like Gonzaga? I don't know if they're going to be able to beat beat Gonzaga because this is right now looking like the top team in all of college basketball. But as we know, COVID protocols, they could wind up having a couple of guys in quarantine and everything like that. This The weird and the crazy, it certainly could happen. But one team that I'm really looking at, they're currently unranked. I think that if they get in the NCAA tournament, they could wreak some havoc. That'd be UConn. A big reason why I really like UConn is because when you take a look at the percentage of the shots that they saw on defense during the 2019-20 season, they were number one with regards to block percentage. 10.5% of the shots that they wound up seeing on defense, they blocked last season. And they've been doing a solid job this year. But now they got back a guy on Saturday. His name is a Cook. He was able to give the team two and a half blocks per game last season. Saw his first action on Saturday. Getting him back in the fold is big. You also have an alpha dog scorer in James Booknight. who's able to have 20 points per game. He wanted missing that game on Saturday, but he's going to be coming back relatively soon. I really look at this team. I think that they're very well coached under Danny Hurley. I think that this is a team that they have all the goods that you want. You've got some experience. A guy that transfers in from Howard and RJ Cole. This is a team that I really think is a real deal. They hang their head on defense. They've got good explosive offensive players. This is a team that I could see really making a run in March. And I'm so glad they're back in the Big East. Oh, yes. I mean, absolutely. And we saw Georgetown versus Syracuse on Saturday as well. I mean, it's like everything is now right in the world here in 2021. Well, you know, Greg, it's funny because I wrote something last week and you favored my tweet, which I appreciate you doing. I'm a big Georgetown fan. I'm from central Pennsylvania originally. And I'm a big, I mean, just Georgetown basketball. I'm not a Patrick Ewing fan as a head coach. And I think I made a comment about Ewing and you kind of like favored my comment on it. What do you think? I know they have a great, they have a great recruiting class coming in next year, but what's your thoughts on Patrick Ewing as a head coach? Oh, it has not been good. I mean, we've seen it time and time again with the Georgetown team. Not only do they not wind up winning these games in which are leading by double digits, they don't even cover them. I They were able to do a good job. I backed up against Syracuse. They were able to get me the under, and they were able to get me to the window. So thank goodness gracious, because they have not been doing a whole lot of that recently. Take, yeah. <laughs> Cherish it. Cherish yeah. it. I mean, I, just, I said to Q, we, we put it on here, down here in, the, in the, my, my basement here where we do the show. I said, you know, they blew the game against Marquette. You know, they just blow big leads. And he just sits there. In my opinion, and I again, I'm a diehard Georgetown fan. I just don't see – I mean, I got to give next year. You got Matumbo's boy coming in. You got you got a great Tyler Beards coming in. You got a good recruiting class coming in. But uh, I don't know, Greg. I mean, I'm just – I'm not sure on the Georgetown team where we're going here. I am right there with you. It has been a very tough year. I mean, they wind up bringing in a guy from Northwestern State in Chaudier Bile, who's been giving them massive minutes right now. I mean, that tells you the state of your program right now when you deal with that. Now, obviously, he had to pick off quite a few guys off the program, including James Akinjo and company. But, man, I mean, by now you thought things would be getting better. I mean, this is worse than the John Thompson the third era. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we talked about it. It's a legacy. And it seems like if you hire a legacy coach, uh, that it's almost bad for your program because, uh, whether it's the president, uh, or the athletic, uh, uh, the director, it seems like they're very unwilling to, I'd say loosely in terms of fire them. And it's kind of like as the coach and you're, you have a legacy name, you're at your own will. So you kind of just pick and choose when you want to leave and go. And it seems like that can negatively, affect your program for for more than just that year you know because you're so uh removed and in such a a downcline uh with that so it just seems kind of like if you're a legacy hire you know teams should really try to stay away from that because it does kind of create a a conflict of interest just in my opinion aren't we seeing that right now with saint john's as well i mean i know that there's a guy that he keeps on going into my twitter feed being like fire mike anderson but it's like 
I mean, what did he wind up taking over? It's, yeah. it's one of these things in which you need to give a guy a little bit of time because yeah. what happened with Chris Mullen in that organization, it was not necessarily terrific. So I am in total agreement with you there. If it works out, it is very terrific. If it doesn't work out, it's really going to set your program back for many years. I think Mike Anderson's doing a really nice job there at St. John's, personally. I mean, I think he's been able to do an okay job as well. I mean, he's a good, hard-nosed guy. They're playing in this six-aisle basketball. They just need to get the athletes and the experience before they're really going to be able to take off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Uh, all right, before we let you go, do you have any uh, any one or two games that you particularly like for uh, Sunday's card? Anything sticking out? My New York Post play of the day is going to be the points with Cincinnati. They are going to be taking out Wichita State. With Wichita State, they're 6-3. and three. Cincinnati, they're 3-6. and six. So you're wondering, oh, why is this road team in Cincinnati? Only catching about like a possession. Maybe it winds up coming out at more like a two and a half or a three. As I'm seeing it right now before I came on, this podcast, I was seeing mostly twos, but I mean, you take a look at the competition. Wichita State winds up playing two non-D1 foes. Meanwhile, with Cincinnati, they wound up losing five games in a row, but two of those losses were to SEC schools. All the other losses were by five points or fewer. They go on the road. They rally against SMU. I really feel like Great this win. is a team that they're starting to figure it out, and this is a Wichita State team that, keep in mind, we all know about the turmoil that they want. Oh, to yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's yeah. So, you know what? I want the team with no drama. We're on to Cincinnati. Take the points with Bearcats. I love it. Love it. All right, well, Greg, we appreciate you. Uh, we'd love to have you on again soon. Uh, we think you're great knowledge. Uh, we'd love to have you on. And, uh, again, thanks for coming on. Uh, for our listeners, if you don't mind just throwing out your Twitter handle um, and then your podcasts, uh, definitely want to get those guys viewing you. Absolutely. At GUnit underscore 81 is the Twitter handle and the podcast. Hoopin with Hoops, H-O-O-P-I-N. And then just the words with Hoops, you're able to find it wherever you get your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, on all the major platforms. The podcast drops midnight Pacific, 3 a.m. Eastern, every single day. Awesome. And well, I'll, I'll tell you what. If you don't listen to this guy's podcast, you're you, you're you missing like, out. You don't like college basketball because <laughs> this guy is the best in the business. I All appreciate right, that. I tell you to go rest, but I, I probably, <laughs> probably better. Yeah, probably better to say go study up. <laughs> I'm going to be recording my podcast right after this, so I'm right there with you. All right, thanks, man. Man, I'll tell you what, that guy, incredible wealth of knowledge, super nice dude. Uh, definitely glad we had him on the show. That guy's a genius. Uh, what a what a just a great honor that was to have that guy because he is Mr. Basketball. So excited to interview him, and it was such a pleasure to get to know him and just learn some of the info that he can provide us and the listeners. And it it was a very it was a great blessing to have him on the show. That's all I have to say. He his enthusiasm reminds me, and this and again, I'm not saying he's anywhere near this uh the or these individuals in in terms of their career versus his but he just has the passion for guys like jay billis seth greenberg uh, and like you know the great dick, dick vital like they just eat sleep and breathe college basketball yeah, i mean and yeah. you could just i felt his energy just it, i mean it, it, his energy for college basketball is amazing his podcast again if you're not on his podcast if you're a basketball fan hooping with hoops Listen to his podcast. It is unbelievable. The info that he gives and breaks down every game, it's just amazing. Yeah. And the guy, the guy's a great talent. And again, like I said, we're truly blessed to have him be on our show and be in contact. And I'll tell you, the one thing I like about him, Q, is this. It's not his interaction with us lately on social media, DMing him, and he's been in contact with us. What I like about this guy was... People write him. He, you know, he puts it out there, people. And some people write him and they're like, hey, nice pick. Uh, come on out. The guy takes every game. Yeah. And he's giving you opinions about it. Yeah. Other people write him stuff and he writes back to them all the time. Who does that? Oh, he's very personable. Very personable. And I, yeah, we respect that. I'll tell you, the guy, the guy's a class act. And again, we were very blessed to have him on the show. I will definitely try to get him back on more. Uh, like I said, the guy's a wealth of knowledge. Um, and I know, he, like I said earlier, uh, when we were interviewing, he has a baseball podcast. So, you know, A, we'd like to get him on for uh, March Madness and, and, and 
any time in between as much as we can because he can only benefit our show and benefit you know any advice or knowledge uh, to our listeners and uh, once you know once pitchers and catchers we're gonna get them rolling in baseball too and I'll tell you what when you know when the pandemic hit and we didn't have baseball overseas you know like over I what league is that what uh, that was the Korean the Korean league that is very good baseball he did a podcast on that. Yeah. And I was getting up and just, I mean, I would listen to his podcast. I was getting up really early and I was catching the end of those games and he's spot on on that. Yeah. He knows the stuff, which man. is just amazing. This guy knows everything. Hey, so, kudos I, to him. Oh, good. He puts the work he, in. He's a talent. And guess what? That's why he's on Beeson. And it's, it's unbelievable. If you don't get that, get that and listen to those guys because he dropped Matt Humans is unbelievable talent. It's Brent Musburger started that. It's it's great info. It's just they're talented people and he's a very talented and he deserves everything he gets. Oh certainly. All right, moving on. Uh so that's kind of all we have for you for today. Um so we're not necessarily gonna give picks just uh obviously we're recording a show late at night and uh just stay on our Twitter. We're gonna be giving you Sunday college basketball Sunday uh, NFL, but uh, for that's for our picks. But we are going to give you uh, Old Man in the Garage real quick. Old right Man here. in the Garage. I'll tell you what. He might be in a fist fight with me tomorrow because I said, I don't know about the Rams, and I told you earlier in the show, and he was all over the Rams. Another winner. He didn't put it out there, but he loved the Rams. He loves Tennessee tomorrow. This guy is the heartthrob. He's the raw blow of the show. Tennessee, take them tomorrow. Moneyline dogs, they're gonna win the game. Old man in the garage. I'm gonna have a play on that game too. No, oh, I got, I got to play <laughs> on that game too. But we'll probably be wrong. Old man in the garage will probably be right. So. Right. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Uh, like I said, stay on our Twitter. Follow Greg Peterson. Follow us. Uh, spread the word. Uh, let's get this family getting bigger. All right. See you guys. Everybody, find those winners. <laughs>